Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM Synergy, your weekly digital marketing podcast from Bruce Clay, Inc. I'm Virginia Nussie, and this show is your audio update for the latest news and tactics for Google, Bing, Yahoo, Facebook, Twitter, and your guide to doing business online. We hope you'll subscribe to your favorite podcast app, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or your favorite Android podcast app, and that way you'll get new shows straight to you every week. I'm Christy Kellogg, and I'm a content writer here at Bruce Clay, Inc., and we're going to share with you an interview I recently did with the founder of Moz, Rand Fishkin. It was part of our pre-SMX and PubCon series that featured great people from the digital marketing industry like Google's Gary Ilias and Mark Traphagen and Eric Enga and Danny Sullivan and a handful of other VIPs. And today we wanted to share Rand's interview. So we're going to play that for you and you're going to hear his thoughts on the ROI of giving information away, the big trends in digital marketing right now, why SEO Moz rebranded to Moz, and also his thoughts on Google's change of logo recently. So we hope you enjoy the interview. Here it is. I'm here with Rand Fishkin, the Wizard of Moz. Hi, Rand. How are you? Good, Christy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. We're so excited to talk to you. Um, you're about to be a keynote at PubCon, and we just wanted to pick your brain a little bit on SEO, digital marketing, Moz. So let's just jump right in. So the first question I wanted to talk to you about was Whiteboard Friday. Um, Whiteboard Friday is hugely popular, and we just wanted to ask how Moz measures the ROI of giving information away. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I think um, I think it's something you know. Obviously, you folks at, at Bruce Clay do really well, uh, and many of us in the industry have you know started to find value in that, but. It is not a clear uh, and immediate ROI calculation. So it, it's been a challenge for us. I think for us, it starts from a place of a core value, right? We want to be transparent. We want to try and make the operations of search engines and social media platforms and how content does on the internet. We want to make all that stuff transparent. And so that, that's almost bigger than an ROI calculation. It's more of a mission for us. That being said, we do have some pretty cool metrics that we've built up over time. So Moz has this dashboard that you may have seen in a blog post that um, one of our audience development folks, Trevor Klein, shared on the blog called One Metric, the number one and then the word metric. And basically, it, it lists all of the posts that we've put out, including Whiteboard Fridays, uh, all of the content of any kind. And then it has a lot of metrics alongside it. So things like social shares, new links that are coming in. Uh, the total number of linking root domains, right? VR index, um, and as well as on-site metrics, so things like time on page and engagement rate and browse rate, et cetera. Uh, and then from all of those things, we built this little, well, our data science team, people much smarter than me, built this uh, algorithm that correlates with uh, visitors who eventually end up 
taking a free trial. So we kind of look at whether someone eventually, after many, many visits to Moz, takes a free trial and whether a particular piece of content was in their path. And then this algorithm kind of is the best correlated combination of all of those different metrics into this one metric that we measure. So then you can kind of sort all the posts by one metric each month and see which posted the best. Um, and that's, that's kind of our system right now for getting to the ROI of content, including Whiteboard Friday. Okay, I see. So it works for everybody. The people get great content and you guys eventually get people to sign up for trials and everybody wins. Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. But we, I mean, you know, I think everyone does this. We do a lot of sharing, even though we know it won't necessarily lead to free trials. You know, we promote tools from our competitors, right? And, um, and all that kind of stuff. And it's really just about doing the best that we can for our community and for the marketing world. And then we do have ways to measure that, but we're not, we're not exclusively focused on how do we turn content into leads. Well, that sounds very tag fee, which we'll get to <laughs> later in the chat. What is your keynote at PubCon about? A look at sort of the ranking elements that Google is using today, along with some specific deep dives into experiments that I've been running both at Moz and as part of the iMac Labs group. So I think, you know, the PubCon audience, they're kind of, they tend to be a more technical, more advanced group. They like to see interesting and new things that they haven't seen before in the SEO world. And so I'm going to try and share some of some of those interesting experiments around different elements of, of how Google's ranking stuff these days. What do you think are the biggest trends in digital marketing that we should be watching out for? Yeah, big trends right now. Uh, I think we're experiencing a little bit of tension in the digital marketing world between sort of what I'd call a desktop laptop world and a mobile world. And I mean that in terms of both where content's hosted, whether I should put it on the web or whether I should put it in an app. I mean that in terms of whether I should be putting things on my platform versus other people's platforms. Um, and I also mean that in terms of where I spend my time and energy, whether that's in kind of the classic inbound marketing avenues that, you know, um, that we're, we're doing today, right, with this Hangout, uh, creating content and hopefully sharing that socially and earning search traffic and maybe email subscribers, that kind of thing, or the paid media platforms, um, especially now that there's so many content amplification paid platforms that exist. I think, I think there's all of these different tensions that are warring for time and energy and budget inside of marketing teams. And some of those decisions are being made very strategically by companies that, you know, have tested and invested in all this stuff. And some of them are being made, let's say, from a place of less intelligent analysis. Um, and so I think it's, you know, it's up to marketers like you and I uh, to help everyone who's investing in digital marketing understand the trade-offs, the balances, the wins and losses uh, that are inherent in all these different platforms and mediums. I also wanted to talk to you about the fact that when you rebranded re SEO Moz to Moz, what to you did that say about the notion of SEO being dead? Because you took SEO out. Yeah, uh, so it, totally honest, it has nothing to do with SEO being dead. Um, I will say that when we made this change, um, I had an assumption about what the digital marketing world was going to do that did not come true. 
So my assumption, which turned out to be wrong, was that people who did SEO and had been doing SEO from you know, 1997 to uh, 2011 would be shifting to focus on not just SEO, but content marketing and social media and other forms of, of organic, non-paid uh, web marketing channels. And that, that kind of turned out to be wrong. It, it tended to be the case that if you were doing SEO, you stayed focused on SEO and different people did social and different people did uh, email and different people did content marketing. And there's some overlap. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely people who do content and SEO or SEO and social or those kinds of things. But it really tended to be the case that we stayed specialized, that SEO continued to be its own practice. Um, and so one of the reasons that we made that switch certainly was we thought SEO was going to grow to be bigger than just SEO. And that has not tended to be the case. Another big reason that we made the switch, though, was because we wanted the company that was SEO Moz, that is now Moz, to be able to do things that aren't just SEO, right? So um, we, for example, we knew that we were going to be buying follower wonk. We knew that we wanted to, you know, be able to offer social media tools. We knew that we were going to be launching eventually a content product. When you rebranded SEO Moz to Moz, what to you did that say about the notion of SEO being dead? Because you took SEO out. Yeah. Uh, so. It, Totally honest, it has nothing to do with SEO being dead. Um, I will say that when we made this change, um, I had an assumption about what the digital marketing world was gonna do that did not come true. So my assumption, which turned out to be wrong, was that people who did SEO and had been doing SEO from you know, 1997 to uh, 2011 would be shifting to focus on not just SEO, but content marketing and social media and other forms of, of organic, non-paid uh, web marketing channels. And that, that kind of turned out to be wrong. It, it tended to be the case that if you were doing SEO, you stayed focused on SEO and different people did social and different people did uh, email and different people did content marketing. And there's some overlap, don't get me wrong. There's definitely people who do content and SEO or SEO and social or those kinds of things. But it really tended to be the case that we stayed specialized, that SEO continued to be its own practice. Um, and so one of the reasons that we made that switch certainly was we thought SEO was going to grow to be bigger than just SEO. And that has not tended to be the case. Another big reason that we made the switch, though, was because we wanted the company that was SEO Moz, that is now Moz, to be able to do things that aren't just SEO, right? So um, we... For example, we knew that we were going to be buying follower wonk. We knew that we wanted to, um, you know, be able to offer social media tools. We knew that we were going to be launching eventually a content product, which I think maybe that'll happen late this year or next year. Uh, but so we, in order to launch something called content or that's centered around content marketing, it's weird to have that come from SEO Moz and much more natural from a naming convention to have it come from a company named Moz, which is just a brand name. So. Those were the kind of two big reasons. Okay, I see. So, yeah, that's definitely more inclusive to take SEO off. And now you get to be the Wizard of Moz, which sounds better <laughs> than the Wizard of SEO Moz. For sure. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It, I forgot. That, that's true. It was actually mostly about the punniness of my title. <laughs> yes. It's basically the best title ever. 
Okay. So, you're welcome. So speaking of rebranding, um, just today Google unleashed this new logo. What are your thoughts on the sans serif Google? Yeah. Um, I think I, I suspect that it has more to do with uh, Google's internal teams wanting an update and a fresh feeling, um, especially going forward around brand unity now that they're separate from Alphabet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's driving it. Internal stuff is driving it a little more than external stuff. I don't think they looked at, you know, a bunch of tests and said, oh, man, nobody on the Internet likes serif fonts anymore. And so we need to go uh, flat and that sort of thing. I, I suspect it's a little more of uh, Google under, um, I'm not sure I'm going to say his name right. I think it's Sundar Pichai, but under, you know, their new CEO kind of saying, this is, this is our Google now. And Alphabet's this other parent company. Sure. Well, it's definitely a fresh look. So yeah. something for all of us to enjoy. Um, so we'll be able to tell very easily whether a screenshot and a slide deck was taken before or after September 1st, 2015. Yes. I suspect people will have a lot of work to do on their slides and whatnot. <laughs> for sure. So Rand and Christy, you guys totally called it. The Google logo was not its current form in a couple of the presentations that I saw and it really stood out to me and I had to even leave some feedback through the SMX attendee surveys to say that you know this presenter didn't have their slides updated with the latest graphics they lost a couple of credibility points in my book there is another point that really feels relevant to what we're doing in the content department these days. Rand said, I think we're experiencing a little bit of tension in the digital marketing world. I mean that in terms of whether I should be putting things on my platform versus other people's platforms. And this is, this is something that we're familiar with. Totally. We've been thinking about that a lot lately. And we've been testing putting pieces of content on LinkedIn Pulse and Inbound.com and some other places. We don't have any conclusions yet, but it's something we're definitely testing. So when we come back, you're going to hear from Rand on tag fee, which is Moz's motto, and also who he thinks are influencers to watch. Stay here for two minutes while we hear a word from our sponsors. More with Rand Fishkin after the break. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. 
Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com Save the date and join us for the 32nd Annual Miami Book Fair presented and produced by the Center for Writing and Literature at Miami-Dade College, November 15th through the 22nd in downtown Miami, Florida. Connect one-on-one with some of the biggest and brightest best-selling authors and luminaries, including Jane Smiley, Tom Brokaw, Eric Bogosian, Mitch Album, Ben Mesrich, Alan Dershowitz, Natalie Dupree, and so many more. Book lovers will enjoy eight days of exceptional cultural and educational activities. Plus, enjoy visiting more than 200 exhibitors from around the country. Kitchen demonstrations and panels from Miami-Dade College's Miami Culinary Institute. Live music and so much more. For more information, visit MiamiBookFair.com and follow Miami Book Fair on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget to use the hashtag MiamiReads. Save the date, November 15th to the 22nd. It's the 32nd Annual Miami Book Fair 2015. Don't just read about it. Be there. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. Today, we're playing an interview for you with the Wizard of Mars, Rand Fishkin. In this second half, we cover a couple more topics that you may find interesting, especially if you're part of the Mars community and know what they are. Otherwise, they're important for anyone who's interested in creating a brand value statement so your brand stands out to your audience. So we're going to hear about Tag Fee, and we're going to hear about Rand's influencers to watch. So let's talk about Tag V. So those are the core principles of Moz. Um, and so for the listeners who don't know, let's see if I can remember. It's transparency, authenticity, generosity, fun, uh, being the exception, and mm, empathy. So wow, that was amazing. <laughs> well, they're great values. Um, oh. I'm I'm touched. I'm both touched and very impressed. Okay, awesome. So I wanted to ask you how you live out those principles, like on a day, like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, well, I'd certainly say um, no one, myself included, is perfect at exemplifying or living tag fee. It's a um, it's an aspirational value set, not something that you know that I can say I always uh, do a great job with, but. For me, a big part of uh, being tag fee means sharing who I am, uh, what I'm learning, what I'm thinking, and even how I'm feeling uh, very publicly to make that, you know, a big part of who I am and who Moz is. And I think that uh, another, you know, big element of my job is continually pushing teams inside Moz, our, our marketing, our hiring and recruiting, our onboarding our intra-company you know, meetings and the way we get things done internally to represent those values and to try and identify uh, when people have done a great job with representing tag fee and, and rewarding them with praise and recognition. And when people are doing not so great a job representing tag fee to quietly nudge them, usually privately, and say, hey, I think this could use some work and here's why. So those are, those are parts of those. 
you know, it, it goes deeper too, right? So I'll, I'm working very, very specifically with one of the teams, well, two teams at Moz that are working on building a, a new keyword research product. And a, a big part of TagFee there is trying to balance out things like uh, generosity versus revenue, right? So how much, how much of this tool can we give away for free and how much can we afford to, you know, make these API calls to various services and that sort of thing? And what margins do we need to make this a, a scalable business? Uh, as well as things around transparency, like how do we make a keyword difficulty score that's more transparent, more honest, more more realistically represents how difficult it would be to rank for a given keyword? And does that, does, should difficulty take into account click-through rate? Is that more transparent or is it less transparent? Because you don't actually want click-through rate biasing because when you look at difficulty, you're just thinking about ranking page one, not necessarily position one. So. Those are all kinds of ways um, that I try and you know live tag fee and, and uh, bring it back to my work professionally. Awesome! Thanks for sharing that. Um, I think tag fee is something like we can all like look at and try to implement in our lives because it's like they're great principles for anyone. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I I'm very passionate about them, right? But they're obviously like kind of my internalized values, and so. <laughs> I think whenever I talk to startups or other companies, my suggestion is never, you should be more tag fee. It's you should develop your values that you care about and that are important to you. And then you should live out those values. And if tag fee happens to be the ones that you know, resonate with you, awesome. I'm thrilled. That's great. Um, but for many folks, right? I mean, if you work at Apple, like secrecy is part of your culture. <laughs> That's what you value. So, you know, people should get to live the way they want to. Okay. Well, I personally like them. So last question. In your latest Whiteboard Friday video, you talked about the importance of creating content that is outstanding and highly relevant and then nudging influencers to notice it. Yeah. So that question of influencer marketing made me wonder who you consider the top five influencers in digital marketing. Like, who do you think they are? I think if, for example, you look at one of the lists from Clear, uh, K-L-E-A-R, who used to be Twitterland. And they, they do a pretty good job of giving you a sense of like, these are the people who get amplified the most uh, in a given space. And so I'm not going to try and suggest that the, the standard folks that you'd find on any list, right? Your Danny Sullivan and Seth Godin and, and those types of folks are, don't belong in the top five. But uh, one of the things that I've been doing recently is trying to identify influencers who I think bring a particularly excellent and new perspective. And so I figured maybe I'd, uh, I'd try and share some of those with you guys today. So I have a small list here. Great. Of folks that have been impressing me. One is Amber Nasland. She's at uh, Sysimos. She's the SVP of marketing there. Um, I follow her on Twitter at uh, Amber Cadabra, which I think, and she shares some some really great stuff. Oftentimes outside of the box that I am in, which is which is great. One of the I think uh, in the mobile world and in the world of uh, digital marketing for mobile, uh, Cindy Crum, who speaks at a lot of conferences and events, isn't very heavy on Twitter, but does publish uh, quite a bit on her blog. Sometimes on the Moz blog, I think she's terrific. Really, really impressed with her. Founder of DuckDuckGo, which is a, a you know sort of private privacy-centric search engine. Uh, they don't collect and store data, so there's not not a lot of personalization like Google has, but there's also 
you know, no fear or concern about weird NSA stuff uh, being tracked. His name's Gabriel Weinberg. He's at YAG on Twitter, and he shares a surprising amount of marketing content. I think part of that is because he's written a book recently called Traction uh, that talks about how early stage companies can get, you know, traction, can, can find their customers um, and make progress with them. So I think he's uh, he's a terrific person to follow. Two more. Uh, one, she's been impressing, I think, a lot of folks for years now, but Marie Haynes, who's sort of all things Google penalties and uh, penalty recovery and that kind of stuff. Uh, she has just tremendous insight. I love following her stuff. She's at Marie underscore Haynes on Twitter. Um, and then the last person I'll mention is uh, Joanna Weeby. At Copy Hackers, she does a lot of you know content uh, writing, editing, marketing, and uh, analysis, and both a very data driven and a very opinion uh, driven person. Really, really smart. So she she'd round out kind of my top five um, for new voices that I'm paying a ton of attention to recently. Cool. Thanks for sharing. We'll have to listen to those voices as well. So thank you so much for your time today, and it was great talking with you. Ditto. Likewise, Christy. Take care. So I thought that was a great interview with a very sharp SEO notable. I know that everybody in the industry, if you've been in SEO for very long, you know of Moz. So nice job, Christy. Thanks. Uh, for me, one of the takeaways of that last part was how tag fee, which is kind of like their value statement that like guides their decision making. There are multiple values and they might even be at odds sometimes. So it might not be as easy as saying like, I value transparency and generosity because what if, you know, your, your business model um, doesn't hold all those things. So I appreciated that like nuanced look at values. Um, did you have any favorite takeaways? I really liked what he had to say about what he expects out of content. Um, and it seemed very reasonable that first off, he wanted to be transparent and really show people what search engines are doing and what Moz is doing in terms of strategy. But then also not thinking that, you know, one blog post is necessarily going to lead to um, a free trial or some other you know, action you want the user to take. Um, that being said, you can be hopeful that after several visits to your site and your quality content, you could get that free trial. So I just liked his thoughts on that. Thanks to Webmaster Radio and thanks to our listeners. Please subscribe to the show to get new episodes delivered straight to you on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or your preferred podcast app. For more from the Bruce Clay team, visit bruceclay.com slash blog. Right now, we've got an article up on the site that I wrote that talks about marketing to millennials, and we have tips from Gary Ilias and Dwayne Forrester in that article, and we think any business owner or digital marketer could really... Uh, benefit from reaching the millennial audience. So have a great week and see you next time on SEM Synergy. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. 
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.